It's time now for Gina Gardner and Friends, the show that shares stories from inspiring people, from a wide range of expert guests, all focused on helping you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. Gina Gardner is a multiple number one international best-selling author, motivational speaker, business coach, and trainer. She's the founder of Genuinely You, and has over 30 years experience of helping people step into their genuine, authentic power, personally and professionally. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. This is a world of possibilities. A world in which people who put their minds to something can really make a difference. My goal is to help the environment. Someday I'll find a cure for cancer. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we believe that aspiring minds can achieve anything. So we dedicate ourselves to making sure everyone has an opportunity to go to college. Each year, we provide more than $150 billion in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about Money for College at studentaid.gov. And now, here's your host, Gina Gardner. Hello there, and welcome to this week's episode of Gina Gardner and Friends. You know, as you look around the world, there are such a, a growth of people who are struggling with mental ill health. Suicide has become a real worry. And in the UK alone, it's the single most common reason for death in men under 48, which is a scary statistic. My guest today, and Mark Anthony King, is someone who has lived experience of dealing with a whole range of issues. And he is now working as an advocate for people who have mental health issues. And I'm so thrilled to invite him onto the show. We've spoken a number of times before. And, you know, if you are someone who's struggling with mental ill health or you have someone in your family, you really need to be listening to this. So, Mark, thank you very, very much for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. It's uh, it's always an honor to be here and I'm a tremendous fan of what you do. And, and let's get into it. Brilliant. So before we get started, share your story, because I think that gives a powerful platform from which everything else grows, because you know your stuff. Yeah. You know, we, we talked about the, the oversaturation of, of theory, and there's something to be said about somebody who experienced something firsthand and then can talk about it. You know, I like to say you wouldn't hire, I wouldn't hire a, a fitness coach who never struggled with obesity in their life because there's no, there's no relatability. So I know that there's a lot of individuals growing up right now and in, in the school system and adults as well, struggling with mental health issues. And my heart goes out to, you know, I was one of you at one point in my life. I, I wasn't supposed to be born. You know, they say the attacks on your life can start at conception. That was the case for me. My, my mother went in to get an ultrasound and she she went in to have her her amniotic fluid measured and and tested 
And the results were, were appalling such that the doctor called her into the office and said, listen, I'm going to be blunt with you. Your child is going to be born with severe mental health issues, severe mental retardation and grotesque physical deformities. He's going to be a vegetable. And my, my 19 year old mother who, you know, grew up under the poverty line. I mean, I I can only imagine what it must have been like for her hearing a doctor say that alone in that cold uh, doctor's office and his next words to her weren't, you know, you're going to have a, a difficult, difficult life ahead. So buckle up his next words were, listen, you're still within the allotted time. So my professional recommendation is you need to go schedule an abortion the second you leave this, this doctor's appointment. That must have been absolutely devastating for her. I, I, I She's my guardian angel because for, for a 19 year old, tremendously impoverished Hispanic woman to hear that and say, no, I'm going to love, I, I still get a bit emotional talking about this. I'm going to love this child, even though it's going to make my life worse in, in every way, shape and form. You know, that's, she's my guardian angel. And as, as time went on, uh, the attacks continued. It would, it would start in the form of what we're talking about today, mental health issues. I would be diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. I'd then be diagnosed with, um, with autism. I'd be diagnosed with a host of other learning disabilities. I was diagnosed with, um, with epilepsy because I would space out while in class. I would just stare off into, into the distance. And teachers were saying that I was having silent seizures. So a host of, of mental health labels were slapped on me. You know, my, my mentor, Les Brown, is famous for saying, label jars, not children. And very, I very can't stress that enough. Say it again, because I think it is really important. Label jars, not children. You know, there's a there's something called the Pygmalion effect, if, if everyone's familiar with it, where you're going to live up to the expectations and the labels that are given to you by your peer group. And in, in this case, it's by, by your parents, by the authority figures of your life. And... You know, I'm, I'm going to be honest and raw and vulnerable here, and I'm going to do it quickly for the sake of time. But there's one thing when you're labeled, but another thing when the attacks come from the inside of your family. I would, I would soon be subject to physical abuse by the hands of my grandfather. You know, I remember my grandfather throwing me on the ground and kicking me and, and telling me that I was never going to amount to anything. And I was abused by my father who would do the same, you know, and, and this is coming from a place of, I understand that generational trauma is a real thing. We call it epigenetics nowadays, yeah. but we tend to pass on and perpetuate the, the abuses and the injustices that were done onto us in our childhood. We tend to perpetuate that onto the further uh, subsequent generations. And I wish it ended there, but it didn't. I would soon be sexually abused by men and by women starting at the age of six 
ending at the age of around 10 years old, which really skewed my relationship with masculinity and femininity. As I got older, I became very aggressive. I became, I became a bit of a womanizer to put it, to put it lightly, because it's almost as though I was trying to, as I got older, I became, as I said, aggressive and very combative. I was trying to ensure that no man ever did that to me ever again. And I became a bit of a womanizer because I was trying to hurt in a different face, the same women who hurt me growing up. And um, uh, that's some, pardon? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, when I think about children now going through traumas and I've, I've met many and, and many people who've been on the show and who are booked to yeah. be on the show have been through the most awful trauma and abuse, sadly. Yeah. I'm really interested, and I know we've got such a shortage of time, but what turned things around for you? Oh, goodness. Um, and it's, it's, it's a bit of a major irony, the answer. What turned things around for me was I was 14 years old. I was in ninth grade. I was 225 pounds, 51% body fat. Uh, dealing with the, I was dealing with uh, an eating disorder at the time. I was binge eating because that was the only thing I could control in my life. I couldn't control the labels, the abuses, physical, sexual, emotional. So I began eating. And at one point I just became so disheartened. You know, every day was, was a battle just to get out of bed. And every day was a plastered smile. Every day was, was, starting with a lie. How do you, how'd you sleep? How'd you feel? I feel great. I didn't, I was dead inside. And shortly thereafter, I remember one day I kissed my mother goodbye. She dropped me off at school. Um, I ended up coming home at two 30 when school let out. And I wrote a suicide note because that was the day that I couldn't take it anymore. And I had to ensure that I, not to be dramatic, but I felt as though I was worthless and I felt as though I was occupying space that somebody else could be taking up um, and using better. So I wanted to rid the world of the stain that was me. Um, a lot of self-hatred and self-loathing. So there was a suicide attempt. I stabbed myself in, in the chest, aiming for my heart, you know, but divine intervention comes in in the most peculiar of moments doesn't it it does indeed it should have hit my heart and i know i didn't hit a rib but it felt as though that knife blade hit a brick wall and in that moment the the pain the the anguish that i was dealing with it it flipped god presented an opportunity for me to turn things around and in that moment i stopped you know, I stopped blaming life. I stopped blaming my grandparents, my, my father, the men and the women from my childhood. And I thought to myself, what can I take active control over in my life? So I began learning about the, the limitations uh, surrounding autism. I began educating myself on the limitations surrounding ADHD. I took stock and inventory over everything about my personality the way that I related to people that just was not fulfilling me, that I that I did not like, that wasn't working for me. 
and I learned how to make it better. You know, it's such a powerful story. And the fact that at the age 14, that you can go from a, a place of absolute desperation mm -hmm. to a recognition that your future and the quality of that future is in your hands. Yeah. We've got to go to a short break now. When we come back, I'd like to explore with you. Well, you made that decision that you were going to take control, but how has that manifested itself in the time since? And as we speak, it was your birthday yesterday, your 33rd birthday. Absolutely. Between 14 and 33, there's been an enormous shift and that you are using your previous experience in such good ways. So please don't go away. There's such a lot of rich discussion for us to have when we come back. This is a St. Jude moment. Ashton was a high-level athlete, and in a, an instant, your world flips, and your healthy five-year-old competitive cheerleader has a brain tumor. And the physician was like, your best option is St. Jude. Receiving treatment that was life-saving for our child and knowing that that treatment would be of no cost to us was a huge weight lifted. Learn more at stjude.org. Last week, Brandon met a girl on a dating app. One day after work, he finally found the courage to ask her out. No answer. He started to panic. Was he being too pushy? Maybe it was too Hey, sorry I didn't respond. I was driving. I would love to go on a date. How does tonight sound? Brandon tried to play it cool, but inside he knew. A girl so smart, so responsible. She must be a keeper. Welcome back. My guest today is Mark Anthony King, and he is an advocate for mental health and for making a difference to people who are really struggling in life. So Mark, before the break, we talked about how your story of childhood abuse, um, physical, emotional, sexual, um, how you've turned that into something really positive. I'd like to us to explore what it is that you've managed to do and why you believe that's so important. Oh goodness, and and we're we're pressed for time, and that's a that's a question that could take me two hours to answer. All right, <laughs> so you know, I what really shifted things for me is the fact that I learned that my story isn't particularly unique. No, sadly, that's and, very true, and that broke my heart. And what broke my heart further is that my story, in terms of where it falls under the horrible spectrum. I mean, I have, I, I thought my story was bad. You know, they say, uh, you never know what somebody goes through until you walk a mile in their shoes. True. I have heard some true horror stories in my life. And, you know, that, that lit a fire in me because it, there's, it's, it's easy to focus on yourself, especially in 2022. We live in a very me-centric culture nowadays and everything is, I need some me time. I need to take some time to get to know myself. I need to love myself more, self-love, self-care, self, 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 self. Well, if everybody focused on the self, who would be helped outside of the self? Yeah, very true. You know, the, the Bible, um, which is my, my go-to book for pretty much everything, 
Christ said to love God above all else and to love your neighbor like you love yourself. So if we look at the hierarchy of importance, it's God, neighbor, and self. I so we're supposed to, to. I just want to add a caveat. It's interesting because I was talking to a client before we recorded this show. Yeah. And what came across is that she helps everybody else. But actually, she doesn't treat her neighbors as she does herself. She treats herself very badly. She treats she? everybody else really well, and everything is in service. So for yeah. me, part of this is, is the, my interpretation of that is treat yourself well, not indulgently. Have a great relationship with yourself where you understand your strengths and your weaknesses, but that you're not judgmental and you're not you're not destructively critical. And then you can work to be your best self. And when you've got that great relationship with yourself, then that should be something that is reflected in every relationship that you have outside yourself. Oh, absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head. Loving yourself doesn't mean indulging all your vices. More often than not, the indulgence of vice is a means of disconnecting from the reality of the situation. Absolutely. You know, be it be it circumstantial or be it the trauma that we're trying to continue to bury and suppress. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I just felt it was important for people listening to this, particularly I, I think we're going through a period in life where you're you're absolutely right that we, um, the me has become disproportionately important. But I think it's the me in terms of the ego, not mm -hmm. the me in terms of can I be my, my best self. Yeah. Because when you're being your best self, you're not, you don't need to be boastful. You don't need to be indulgent. You're loving to yourself, so you treat yourself well. But also, if you're loving to yourself, you don't need to be critical to other people. You don't oh, need absolutely. to abuse other people because my belief, and I'd be interested in yours, is that people mm -hmm. who engage in that don't feel good about themselves. They're doing it in some way to help them feel better about themselves. And, of course, it doesn't work, so they, yeah. they engage more and more. But anyway, I, I'd be interested in your thoughts. I I completely agree. I can I can tell you that as a as a man, testosterone is an is an interesting thing to navigate, and we <laughs> tend to we tend to the metric by which we used to measure how manly we are is typically in aggressiveness and in assertiveness and in our ability to physically dominate another man. But interestingly enough, I can say that when I felt the best about myself, when I have when I have really done the internal work, when I have prayed, when I have surrendered, when I submitted, when I have humbled myself before God, that is when I feel least combative, most generous, not just with my time and with my money, but with my words, with my compassion. I think so, such a powerful message to get out there. You don't yeah. need to be competitive. It's not about I need to beat you or I need to be seen to be right. You can allow yourself to be connected not only with uh, yourself and with source, but also with other people. Absolutely. And, and why compete? You know, when when God said we are all wonderfully and uniquely made, 
I always say that if we're going to compete, and I've been living by this for over 15 years now, compete with who you were yesterday. Yeah. Take, take the qualities about yourself that you love the most, your, you know, your God-given attributes and virtues and say, how can I use everything that God gave me today more deliberately, more effectively, more consistently than I did yesterday? I think that's incredibly powerful. We're going to go for a short break now. When we come back, I'd like to to hear more about the work that you're doing and, the, you know, how you're moving the gift that all of that terrible um, activity when you were growing up, the gift that that's given you that you're now sharing with other people. Absolutely. So don't go away. We'll be back in just a minute. Why not? Explain it with Kid Reasons. Kid Reasons are short, positive statements that tell a child why. Time to put on your jacket, buddy. Why? So you can stay dry and warm. For a quick look at Kid Reasons, go to boystown.org parenting. Time to buckle up, buddy. Why? Why? To keep you safe. Why? Because I love you. Visit boystown.org parenting for parenting tips, tricks, and experts. COVID-19 has been a really long and difficult fight. It's definitely taken a toll on all of us. Right now, new variants are a lot more contagious and need to be taken seriously. Getting vaccinated and staying boosted is the best way to keep you protected from COVID-19 and help you stay out of the hospital. Even if you've got COVID before, it's important that you go get your COVID booster. COVID shots are safe. Much safer than getting the virus. We can all do our part and get back to living. You can go to getvaccineanswers.org for more information. Welcome back. So Mark, tell me, what is it you're doing? How are you utilizing that dreadful experience to help others? Well, there are times in life when we're just seemingly thrown into something like we talked about earlier, initially it became, how do I navigate my own trauma? How do I break free from that stigma of, and it's still a cultural stigma in 2022. You know, my suicide attempt was in 2004. It's 2022 and it's still a stigma. It's still not okay to not be okay. Yeah. So using, using everything that I, that I endured as a child, the education, the 18 year education that I've thrown myself at in terms of behavioral science, mental health, uh, Gestalt therapy, Ericksonian therapy, strategic intervention, uh, neuro-linguistic programming, timeline therapy, and a, a host of other things. I began using that to coach people individually, just on a one-on-one -on -one basis, because I love people and I love that, that personal connection that we can make. Ultimately, I was in a place where I understood that there's limitations between coaching one person at a time and wanting to make a big impact. You know, change happens one person at a time, but we need to accelerate this, as you said, there's an epidemic in the UK. There's an epidemic in the US too with, with mental health crisis and with, with suicide where they're projecting that by the year, I think 2033, suicide is gonna be the second leading cause of death in America next to cancer and heart disease. I can't sit idly by and just let that happen. So this shifted and became uh, hosting events that became even broader. And I found myself co-leading a UNICEF team and advocating with members of Congress. So I want to share a really big win with you because, you know, uh, the Bible says that Hebrews 11, one, that uh, hope is 
the the substance of oh my goodness i'm <laughs> i'm blank right now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen so i want to leave people with with faith with hope and with love so we've been fighting now for two years unicef tasked me with taking point on the mental health services for students act which would serve about 55 million american students goodness me releasing 200 million dollars into the public education system that would that would place a mental health professional at every single school and it would train teachers how to identify children that are suppressing mental health trauma and mental health issues wow that's huge so imagine children that can't afford going to a therapist they could just be referred to the one that's going to be at their school you know when we talk about mental health one of the problems has been the shortage of resources it's always been the poor relation you break mm -hmm. your leg you go to casualty it gets sorted but yeah. if you've had a problem in terms of your emotional well-being your mental well-being it's sort of as you say it's always had a stigma and it's always been sort of brushed under the carpet you know pull yourself together if you're in the uk stiff up a lip you know yeah. cry get on with it and i just think that when you talk about the resources that you've helped to um release mm -hmm. if you get these um problems when they're early then you are going to be able to deal with them and and solve them so much more easily than if they've mm -hmm. become entrenched over decades oh yes it's like it's like a weed that continues taking hold and you know like like any beautiful impact that you want to have there's going to be an obstacle i'd love to say that we we presented and i you know i spoke to the first year about 15 different members of the house of representatives and of the senate uh same situation year number two except the first year i got into a fight with a particular uh senator's office who didn't see the value in investing in mental health for students in america and when I say there was a battle, um, I mean, there was a major battle where UNICEF tried to silence me, the, the office tried to silence me. It was just attack after attack after attack. But I've become pretty resilient during what <laughs> I've been doing. practice, haven't you, over the years? I have. And it wasn't about me. It was about the children who are on the verge of taking their own life. So we endure, we push through for a greater cause. I'm proud to say that as of today, those $200 million that we were fighting for are no longer on the table because our president has officially signed, you know, you want to talk about God's blessing. The devil can try to attack our lives, but if, if we do like Joshua 1.9 says, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And wherever means wherever, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, financially, wherever you go, God is there. We rely on him, we persevere, beautiful things happen at the end of that. Jeremiah 29.11 says that, oh, goodness, for I know the plans that I have for your life, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. As of today, we have secured over $800 million that is going to be distributed 
and invested into our school system, into the mental health care crisis. We asked for two, we got over eight. You know, when you hear the numbers of people who are struggling, mm -hmm. you recognize the magnitude of the problem, no matter what your background, what your religion, your creed, your color, there are people out there who are really struggling. Yeah. And the thought that children, young people are going to get support and they're going to get support quickly when they need it so that that problem doesn't become even greater fills me with real joy and must fill you with huge pride that you've had a very significant part in raising that. I had a bit of um, I had a bit of an emotional breakdown when I heard the news because I have nieces, I have nephews. And to hear that children during the pandemic between the ages of 10 and 19 was the largest group of suicide that that broke my heart and knowing that you can play a role in that you know it, it's it's definitely humbling thank you very much indeed mark uh thank you for listening i do hope that you'll join me on the next show please let me know what you think uh my email is gina g-i-n-a at genuinely hyphen you.com lots of resources on the website by the same name genuinely hyphen you.com or ginagardenassociates.co.uk but take care and please join us on the next show bye bye now thanks for listening to gina gardner and friends the show that helps you live a happier more successful and fulfilling life to learn more about gina gardner go to genuinely-u.com. If you would like to work with Gina or book her as a speaker, email her at gina at genuinely-u.com.